All right, it's the morning after the Iowa caucus. History was made uh, pretty amazing. Uh, our number remains the same, by the way, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the uh, program. Um, I don't think anybody, I, in, in all honesty, I thought the polls probably might have been overstating the support in Iowa that Donald Trump had. And it was kind of interesting to watch the, the mob, the media do their thing. And, and as usual, they they wanted to be against Donald Trump. And they were, well, he may end up being below 50 percent. I'm like, OK, so if he ends up being below 50 percent, uh, but he beat the numbers of both Governor Ron DeSantis, who came in second, by the way, with a very respectable showing over 20 percent and Nikki Haley around 19 percent. But he beat both of these candidates combined. And, you know, we'll have our pollsters on. We'll analyze this later in the program. But if you go back and look at history and the history of the Iowa caucuses, what you find is that this is the biggest margin by far ever of any uh, Republican to win in in Iowa. Uh, the biggest margin prior to this was Bob Dole with a little over 12%. I mean, that's how profound this was. And um, the people of Iowa, I mean, literally, you know, it was 8 degrees. The temperature in Des Moines was minus 8 with the wind chill about minus 20 degrees, and then some people are saying, well, the turnout wasn't as high as usual. And I'm like, okay, the turnout, the fact that it turned out, the turnout was as high as it is, is a tribute to the people of Iowa uh, for, you know, being willing to bear uh, what was the, the lowest temperature in the history of the, of the Iowa caucuses. It's pretty amazing here, but, you know, this, is a, this was a knockout win. I mean, he got 51% of the vote. He got 98 out of 99 counties in Iowa. So this was all across the state. Um, I think one of the biggest numbers to come out of last night was that Donald Trump, you know, 8 out of 10 Iowans see that all of these attacks against Donald Trump are political in nature. Um, and, and I think that speaks volumes also. I think the, the American people know that from the minute this guy walked down the escalator, uh, at at Trump Tower, you know, all through a three year, you know, a peddling of conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory, lies and hoaxes uh, that the Russia hoax, you know, ended up being totally, completely and utterly debunked. There were very few of us at the time that were unpeeling every layer of the onion to get to the truth. And finally, we got vindication through the Horowitz report and then later the Durham report years later. But all our reporting turned out to be 100% accurate. I had on this program, I had the best reporters. I had the best sources. Uh, we, we would double, triple check our work before we'd bring the news to you that the media mob could have gotten themselves but didn't bother to, to, to go after. Uh, they were perfectly comfortable, you know, peddling their lies, peddling their conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, follow that up by impeachment one, follow that up by impeachment two. And and follow that up with, you know, charges here, charges there and charges everywhere. I mean, and that did not at all factor into the thinking of the people of Iowa because they see something that is political, such raw political uh, abuse of our justice system for what it is. And and I think they're saying this can't happen in the country. That is a loud message to those people out there that just want to take Donald Trump 
and and eliminate him. I mean, in New York, this this case is a joke. This civil trial brought by an attorney general that ran on a platform that stated very publicly, very often, to go after one man, to go after one family, to go after one organization, a judge that is adhering to a value that is obscene and absurd and completely false, that Mar-a-Lago is only worth $18 million dollars, well, Mar-a-Lago's 20-some-odd acres of land. It's got 50. It's a historic property. It's got a club associated with it, actually two clubs if you consider the beach club. Uh, it is on the intercoastal. It is on the ocean. Uh, this is prime Palm Beach real estate. And, you know, if you look and and through multiple listing, you can see plots of land, just, you know, bare land with dirt with nothing on it, on the ocean alone, not the intercoastal selling you know, the sale price is $200 million. And this judge, you know, the whole case is supposed to be about, well, Donald Trump uh, was unfair to banks and unfair to insurance companies uh, because he overvalued some of his properties in New York in financial statements. Not that it would matter anyway, because there was a disclaimer in every single one of those agreements saying, don't count on our valuations. You must do your own due diligence and come up with, your own estimates. And by the way, it would be how reckless and irresponsible would it be for a bank or an insurance company to either lend money or give a policy and not come up with their own valuations when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and here's the other interesting part is nobody, no, no insurance company, no bank at all has one single complaint with the Trump organization over the deals that they made. But yet this guy is is claiming this property that is worth probably closer to a billion dollars, maybe more. I don't really know. I know that Ken Griffin, the, the, the big hedge fund guy, bought five, you know, mansions on the ocean in Palm Beach, paid, you know, literally a hundred million dollars for each of them. And, and now he could probably sell all of them for 200 million. But he's knocking down all the mansions that are there and he's building two mansions on five separate lots. I mean, this is crazy money. I know nobody thinks this way because it's money that the average person can't understand. I, I certainly can't understand that kind of money. That's crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, but that is the reality of Palm Beach real estate. And the judges say, no, it's worth $18 million. And he's sticking to his own lie. Does that sound like Donald Trump's going to get a fair verdict here? No, he walked in. They had a summary judgment. The case was lost before this even began. This is the penalty phase. And what is the attorney general of New York is trying to cancel the Trump organization completely, turn their business over to some type of conservatorship, have somebody else run their business. They'll have no say in their business. They'll have to sell all their property. It's basically a way to completely cancel one family, one man, one business in New York, which, by the way, is going to end up with probably the firing of innocent people that make their living working at, at these hotels, working in these buildings. You know, if you work as a, a doorman in New York, you know, it, you tend to get a pretty high salary. It's a career job for a lot of people. And, and all the other people that work in the restaurants and the stores that are associated, unless the new owner comes in and, and, and keeps those people working, these people's jobs are in jeopardy. But uh, they'll be successful. But, you know, on appeal, I think Donald Trump has a better chance. But 
you know, just back to Iowa, you look at all of this, and it's clear the people of Iowa made a determination that all of this is politics. All of this is driven by politics. All of this has an agenda behind it. You know, um, let's go to last night. This, this, I've known Donald Trump for almost 30 years, and he was on the program yesterday. And if you were listening to the interview, at one point I asked him, I said, and I actually told him, I said, I really prefer when you do town halls. He's done, I can't even, dozens of town halls with me over the years since he entered the political arena. And I like him in that format better than he, he comes across at his rallies. Now, I'm not being critical of his rallies. I mean, those rallies are a phenomenon in and of themselves. There's no candidate that I can think of in our lifetime that could have tens and tens of thousands of people show up, and it doesn't really matter what part of the country he's going to, and they'll wait in the cold, the wind, the rain, they'll sleep overnight outside so they can get a good seat. I mean, it's, you know, like a rock concert. It's like, you know, getting a Rolling Stones ticket or, or you know, going to the, the hottest artist out there, a Taylor Swift concert, whatever you want to say. And, and I just, we've never seen anything like it. The only thing missing is him playing guitar and the drums and singing. And, but that is a phenomenon that it just goes to him. And I know his enemies hate it. I know it scares the hell out of Democrats. I know the results scare the hell out of the media. You can hear it in their commentary last night. MSDNC would not even run Donald Trump's speech. You know, their lead conspiracy theorist, you know, Rachel Maddow, the person that peddled the Russian hoax, the Russian conspiracy theories, the Russian lies, you know, actually still has an audience. She's never apologized. She's never recanted. She's never retracted. She's never clarified that she was ever wrong. But, you know, don't worry. NBC News has no problem keeping her on the payroll at, an estimated reported $30 million a year, uh, which is, you know, I'm fine for her, but she's, she's, she's not accurate in her reporting. We just know that everybody on that channel hates Trump. We know everybody on fake news CNN hates Trump. We know everybody at the New York Times and the Washington Post, everyone at ABC, NBC, CBS, they all hate Trump. But yet one thing they've not been able to accomplish, and that is separating Donald Trump from the base of support that he clearly has that no other political candidate has. Do you think Joe Biden can fill an arena filled of a thousand people? I don't even think so. Do you think he's even capable of doing an hour and a half speech rally? A lot of it ad libbed. I don't think it's possible. And then on this show yesterday, I'm, I'm beginning to see a change in Donald Trump. We've heard a lot of grievance over the last three years, uh, a lot of anger expressed over, you know, uh, the 2020 elections, some of which I agree with. You know, laws were not followed where partisan observers can observe and constitutions were not complied with. But Donald Trump, in the last town hall with me, the town hall with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, and on this show yesterday and in his speech last night, he is he's showing a different side of him in his in his town halls, in his speeches, which is a little different than the red meat that he's throwing out at rallies that people like. You know, he's showing another side of him, a side that I've known for a long time, that he's actually an engaging person, really smart, 
way more dialed in than anyone's ever given him credit for. He's generous. He's funny as hell and irreverent as hell. And and that part comes across more in a town hall format or an interview format like on this program yesterday. Here was what he said last night. I thought he was being very gracious to his opponents and and trying to bring the country together. I just heard a different dialed in Donald Trump last night, and I've been hearing it now for the last month. And I think if he stays with this philosophy, it'll serve him well. Listen. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important, and I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. We got Mexico to give us 28,000 soldiers free, and we had remain in Mexico, and we had catch and release in Mexico. And we did a job. We had the safest border in our history. We had the greatest economy in our history. We had a great, we were a great nation three years ago, and now we're a, a nation in decline. We are going to turn it around so fast. It's going to happen so fast. We're going to drill. We're going to make great, we have great wealth. We're going to drill. We're going to use that money to lower your taxes even further. We gave you the biggest tax cut in history. And we're going to lower them further, and we're also going to pay off national debt. It's about time. It's about time to all of the people standing behind me and all of the people in this room and so many great politicians and great dignitaries and friends. I just want to thank you all. This is a very special night. And this is the first because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country and truly we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Thank you very much. If he sticks with that tone, pitch, cadence, and delivery, I don't see how he gets beaten.